Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you. Michelangelo did a brilliant painting called The Creation of Adam. Every year, thousands lines up uh, at the Vatican to view his painting of God and Adam on the ceiling of Sistine Chapel. If you look carefully at the painting, you see that the figure of God is extended toward the man with great effort. He twists his body to move as close as to the man as possible. His head is turned toward the man and his gaze is fixed on him. God's arm is stretched out. His finger is extended straight forward, reaching out to the man. You can sense God's great desire to close the gap between himself and this man. He can't wait. His hand comes within a few inches from the man's hand. Apparently, Michelangelo wanted to express God's determinations to reach out and be with the person he created. God is as close as he can be, but having come that close, he allows just a little space so that Adam can choose. He waits for Adam to make his move. And then you look at the picture of the man. His body reclines in a lazy pose, leaning backward as if he has no interest at all in making a connection. His arm is partially extended toward God. All he will have to do is lift a finger. But he looks indifferent, not interested. Man did not want to reach out to God. Romans 3.11 says, No one seeks God. So God took initiatives to come to us. And Christmas is the proof of his desires to come and to be with us. The sermon today is about Christmas. Let us read from John chapter 1, verse 11. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. Dear Father, thank you for giving us time this morning to be able to listen to your word, Lord. We pray, Lord, please give us eyes to see Jesus, the wonders of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus through your word. And Lord, please transform our hearts to love you more through your word. And Lord, as we listen to your word, please move our hands and feet to obey you, Lord. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray and we give thanks. Amen. Dear friends, I would like to share uh, with you this morning on the topic, God became man. God became man. And I would like to share three things on why God became man. The simple reasons, three simple reasons why he came to be with us. Number one is he shared our humanity to save us. Secondly, he came to stay with us and to show us how to live. And number three, he showed us God that we can see him. He revealed God to us so we can know God. Let us go through one by one quickly. Number one purpose for God to become man is to, so he can share our humanity. To be like us is to share our humanity so that he can save us. John 1.14a says, the word became flesh. The word became flesh. What does flesh mean? He became flesh means he shared our limitations. And what is our limitations? Our limitations is that we are mortal and finite. God who is eternal, who is not bound to time, now he is conformed and confined to time. The immortal God become mortal man. The everlasting God now subjects to death and, uh, uh, and confined in a mortal body. The infinite God becomes a finite man. The one who created time now bound to time. The supernatural God becomes natural. Can we imagine when Jesus entered into the womb of Mary? few seconds before he was in heaven worshipped by the angels and heavenly creatures but suddenly he disappears and he was now in the womb of Mary what a wonderful thing what a mysterious thing and secondly when he became flesh he shared our weaknesses he shared our frailties he shared our struggles God who is all-powerful, almighty, all-perfect, now become weak and vulnerable human baby. He even needs protection. He was almost killed by Herod. And his parents, Mary and Joseph, had to flee to Egypt as refugees. God who is self-sufficient, who does not depend on anything else or anyone else other than himself, who sustains the whole universe. Now he has to depend on the care and nourishment of Mary and Joseph. And when he grew up, he shared our struggles, our frail frailties as well. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted in every way. He went through our struggles, our frailties, our weaknesses, except one. He was without sin. And because of that, Hebrews 2 verse 18 says, He is able to help those who are being tempted as well. Friends, in our lives we face troubles, challenges, problems, temptations, setbacks, tears. We face failures. Where can we find help? Some people try to find help in themselves. Some people like to think that maybe God doesn't care about me or even God doesn't understand. But the Bible says Jesus has become man and he shared our struggles and our, our problems. And that's why we can come to him. We can find strength in him. We can find courage, peace in him and find help in times of troubles. He share our humanity so that he may be able to save us. Hebrew 2, 14 and 15 says, Since the children, us human beings, have flesh and blood, he, Jesus too, shared in our humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Our number one problem is not economy, is not politic. Our number one problem is sin. And that's why Jesus came to us as Savior. He was called the Savior. So he can give us salvation. Our number one problem is sin. And because of that, our number one need is salvation. And Jesus provides salvation for us. Many of us are still living in bondages. We are still being enslaved by sins and fear and death. And we are not able to free ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. So that's why Jesus came, to share our humanity. He becomes the perfect ransom. We have blemish, spotless Lamb of God. So he could save us. So brothers and sisters, those who are listening today, if you need salvation in Jesus, he came to the earth with the very purpose to save us, to free us, to deliver us from all the bondages of sin and fear and death. Second purpose is that Jesus came, he became man so he can stay with us, that he will be able to show us how to live. Most of the time we just think that Jesus came to die on the cross to save us, which is true. But not only that, he came to live and show us how 
to live our lives as well. John chapter 1, 14b says, He made His dwelling place among us. Actually, the literal translations of making His dwelling place among us is, He pitched His tents among us. He tabernacle among us. He made His residential place among us. What does it mean? It means that he stays in modest circumstance. Just like shepherds that dwells in the tents, Jesus did not come to live in a palace, but in a tent. He was the owner of the universe and everything in it. But he said, the Son of Man even does not have place to lay down his head. God who is rich, God who is majestic, glorious in heaven, worshipped by angels, who is matchless in glory and power, the glory that belongs to God is beyond understanding. Yet he came to make his place and to live among us human beings. That we need to ask ourselves, who is us? What does the Bible say about us human beings? We are us, the worms of the earth. He does not need of us. He got nothing from us. Us, corrupt and depraved by sin, rebellious against God. Yet He came and He dwelt among us who are rebellious. Psalm 68 verse 18 says, When you ascended on high, let captives in your train, you receive gifts from men, even the rebellious, that you, O Lord, might dwell there. As his enemies, generations of vipers, as who rejected him, us who think we can live without Him. Us sinners fall short of the glory of God. Separated from Him. Kicked out from the presence of God in the Garden of Eden. Who is ignorant of Him. Yet regardless of all this, we still do not seek Him. So God took initiative to seek us. To come to us. To reach out to us to be with us. As when he came to us, someone puts it nicely this way. Not as a wayfaring man that tarries but for a night, but he dwelt among us, made a long residence. He pitched his tabernacle and lived in the world with us. He came through a modest family. He was born in a manger. And the Bible says he even took the form of a slave, even though he was being in the nature of God. He did not consider his equality with God something to be grasped, but taking a form of a servant, being made in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself 
and become obedient to death, even death on the cross. He lived in life, his life in modesty. So we can learn also to live that way. To follow him. Secondly, he stayed temporarily. Tenth is a temporary place, not a permanent one. And by doing this, Jesus is reminding us like the words of the forefathers in the Old Testament. When they dwell in the tabernacle, they confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth and sought the better country. Like Hebrews 13, verse 13 and 14 says, Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. We are reminded again, brothers and sisters, this world is created by God and we are placed here with a purpose. But this is not our permanent place. We look forward to be with him, to be with Jesus, to be in the new heaven and new earth, in the eternal Jerusalem. Number three, the purpose for him to become one of us is that to show us God so that we may see him, so that we may know him. Few verses from John chapter one verse eighteen and chapter uh, excuse me few verses after John chapter one verse fourteen. It says, "No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known." Brothers and sisters, it is impossible to know. God, because we are the created ones, and He is God, the Creator. It is impossible to see God because God is invisible. We are ignorant of Him because of sin. Many people in many different religions, we are, they are trying to find God. They are trying to seek God. Many are crying out to their gods every single day, but they don't know about this God. But for us, yes, we are not able to know God. But God wants to make himself known to us. He came to reveal himself to us. God himself, Jesus Christ, who is at the Father's side, has revealed God to us so that we may know him and we may have fellowship with him. We may love him and we may serve him. That's why in verse 14 it says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John says we have seen his glory. In the Old Testament, 
when God dwelt in the tabernacle of Moses, the glory of the Sekinah was between the cherubim, which speak about his presence and his glory among the people of Israel. Now he came and he pitched his tents among us, his people. He came to reveal himself. He came to show his presence among us. He came to make himself known to us. And, and because of this, many years later, John wrote about this in 1 John 1, verse 1. That which from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Though Jesus came in the form of a servant outwardly, he hid his glory outwardly, yet his disciples could see the glimpses of his divine glory in his holiness, in his teachings, in his miracles, in his goodness, and finally in his resurrections. And especially, we could remember the experience of Peter and James and John on the mount when they saw the transfigurations of Jesus. And that experience lingers on, remains. Sixty years later, when he wrote this letter, he still remembers that experience vividly. The experience of their encounter with Jesus. We have seen Jesus means we have experienced him. We have, we have encountered him. We have known him personally in our lives. So the question for us is, for you, have you seen God? Have you encountered him? Have you experienced God in your lives? Have you seen Jesus? Have you accepted Jesus into your life? For some people, Maybe the knowledge or experience of Jesus is only a past experience. Or maybe they think it is, it is not possible. Jesus is only a, a historical figure that we learned live long time ago in the past. Friends, Jesus is as real now as it was. Just like the sun was shining Brightly in the past, the sun is still shining right, right now. Jesus was real. Jesus is real right now. And when we encounter him, he changes our hearts. He changes our lives. He changes our thinking. He changes the direction of our lives. 26 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus. And I could see how he blessed, he changed, he transformed me. And I believe the same Jesus is able to transform, to change, to reveal himself to you. What kind of Jesus that the disciples saw, disciples knew? It says in John chapter 1, 14, he was full of grace and truth. 
He was full of grace and truth. In the tabernacle in the Old Testament, when God dwelt, there was the law. But in this tabernacle, there is grace and truth. Law teaches us to work together to earn the mer to merit the favor of God. But grace is gift given to those who do not deserve it. It is an earned, undeserved, unmerited favor of God, which is his salvation. And this is told that Jesus is full of grace and truth. He's rich in his grace. And not only that, he's generous. He wants, he takes pleasure in dispensing his grace and truth to us. Brothers and sisters, I pray that this experience of the first disciples when they see Jesus who was full of grace and truth will be our experience as well. I invite you to come to humble down yourselves to ask God to open your eyes so you can see him see him in his majesty but as well as See him in his modesty. See him in his grace and his mercy. See him as a living and loving person who because of his great love for you and me, he left heaven with all his glory and majesty. He took a form of servants. He became obedient unto death on the cross. So he could save you and me. He chose to live among us so that we can learn to live just like he lived. He came to reveal God to us so that we will be able to know God, to see God, to experience God in our lives. I will close with three questions for us to think together. Number one is once again, have you seen Jesus? Have you encountered him? Maybe you are seekers. You have been thinking of giving your life to Jesus all these times. But today I will ask you again, make the decisions to come to him and to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Secondly, are you struggling in your lives? Are you struggling against temptations? Are you struggling against lust, uh, addictions, failures, discouragements in your lives, and you think that you are helpless and powerless to overcome and to be victorious over all these struggles. He has become one of us. He went through all this. And Hebrew reminds us that he 
is able to help you. Bring your struggles, your frailties, your challenges at the feet of Jesus. Question number three is, this is Christmas. It is good for us to think during this season a way we can thank God, thank Jesus for coming, living with us and saving us. What would you do? You can think of the ways like the wise men in the Bible when they saw the stars in the sky. They traveled thousands of miles to come to Jesus, to worship him, to submit to him, and to praise him. You could think of uh, people like the shepherds on the night when Jesus was born, when they heard the news of the birth of the Savior of the world. They came to seek Jesus, to worship him. And when they found Jesus, they went home full of praise and thanksgiving. Maybe you can find ways to go and to serve others who are in need. Maybe you can find ways to sacrificially during this season give to someone as a way of thanking God who has sacrificially given himself for us. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much once again for living heaven with all his glory and majesty to come to become one of us, to share our humanity, our flesh, so that you can save us from all these bondages. Thank you so much for making your residence your place, pitching your tents, tabernacle among us, so we can see you, we can learn from you, Lord. And thank you for revealing God to us, that we may be able to know God, to have fellowship with him, to worship him, to love him, and to serve him in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we give thanks. Amen.